Last Sunday, as uh, Amy and I left uh, church and we're driving back home, uh, I'm happy to mention to her that uh, the sermon scripture for this Sunday, today, is uh, quite a fantastic one, just wonderful. She thought about it for a second. She said, is this the part where it tells wives to submit? I said, you bet it is. And after getting permission uh, from her to preach this message, um, I invite you to take your Bible and turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. And as you turn to that passage, you know, we've, uh, we've got a lot of different relationships in our, in our lives. Uh, relationships uh, really sort of go into just a couple of different uh, categories, if you will. You got, you got your home life, but really, home life... Your relationship with your wife, your spouse, let's say, is very unique in and of itself. And then, uh, so some of us uh, have a spouse to relate to, and then some of us have kids uh, that we relate to. That's a different home relationship, obviously. And then you have work. Um, many of us have, have work. Some of you have retired from work, and, and uh, you've uh, served your time, and you served your sentence, and now you're paroled. And so... Uh, good for you. And, um, but you had work relationships, even if you are retired. And, and uh, you might say church as well, of course, obviously. And for me, my work and my uh, church relationships are one and the same. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, this passage of Scripture will go from uh, chapter 3, verse 18 to chapter 4, verse 1, uh, covers a lot of different relationships that you have. And the theme is basically this, that Christ who is overflowing in our lives, as the, that's the theme of Colossians. He rules our relationships, every one of them, or at least he should. And so uh, we want to talk today about how Christ can bless these relationships. So I'd invite you to stand with me, please, in honor of the reading of God's Word. If you have a Bible, we uh, invite you to access that in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, and the words will appear on the screen behind me. We read in verse 18, wives, submit, to your submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. Verse 20, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work while being watched as people-pleasers, but work wholeheartedly, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. Masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. Father, I pray that you'd give us insight into understanding your word and where we fit in the scheme of things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this verse, verse 18 of chapter 3, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting uh, in the Lord. It's one of those uh, verses that Christian women always give me the same look as I preach it, like, what are you going to say, preacher? Are you really going to be mean to me today? Do I really have to submit to this guy? 
you know, he, he's not worthy of it. And, but that being beside the point, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll deal with him in just a minute. Uh, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Submission, by the way, is not just a woman's issue, okay? Sometimes we think of it that way because there, there's a few verses in Scripture that talk about wives submitting to your husbands. But really, submission is a human issue. It's an issue for any one of us who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ because we must submit to him. And uh, our submission to him manifests itself in different ways in different areas of our lives. Uh, for example, the Bible tells us all to submit to the government, uh, to those who have governing authority over us. In the church, uh, congregants are to submit to the pastors as the pastors lead the church to obey its head, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we are to submit to our employer, those of us that have a, have a job and have a gainful employment and uh, have someone over us, we are to submit there. Children, we're told, in just a few verses, are to obey their parents in everything that verse says, because this is pleasing not only to your parents, but it's pleasing to the Lord. And so uh, children, uh, they, they learn submission first by obeying. There's a little difference between submission and obedience. Submission is really a hard attitude that evidences itself in obedience. Uh, sometimes children, because of their immaturity, because of their age, uh, have, have difficulty truly submitting, but they can still obey. Okay, and so the difference might be you tell your kids to eat their vegetables and uh, your child says, I'll eat it, but I won't like it. That's obedience, not submission. Submission is eating it without an attitude, okay? And so um, our kids need to learn to obey their parents. And we'll talk about uh, an instruction here given to fathers in just a moment. And then in marriage, specifically, the wife is to submit to her husband. Now, this idea of submission is not based on some type of ancient patriarchal system, some hierarchical system that's dead and gone or anything like that. It's not based on any type of authoritarianism or who has the, uh, the ability to be physically stronger than the other. It's not based on that at all. It's not based on authoritarianism. What submission is based on is this. It's based on the love that the head of the relationship should have for the other. It's based on the love that the husband should show to his wife. And so, let me put it this way. Uh, sometimes uh, there is a little bit of resistance, or maybe a lot, uh, from some ladies uh, who follow the Lord Jesus Christ and, and following this command to submit to their husbands. And um, let me ask you ladies this question. Would you have a problem submitting to someone who loved like Jesus? who led you like Jesus, and who served you like Jesus. I think there are not many ladies out here who would have a problem with that. And so we'll, we'll deal with this issue again on the husband side of things in just a minute. But even if you have a husband who falls short of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm looking at a lot of them right now, and if I were to look in the mirror, I'd be looking at another one in the mirror. Um, none of us men rise to that standard of the Lord Jesus Christ. We strive for that. He is the standard. Uh, but none of us reach that. 
And so you ladies have the terrible difficulty of trying to submit to someone who's not up to that standard. And so how do you do that? Well, the Word of God would have you do that anyway. And to submit to your husband. Let me explain, uh, ladies, what submission in marriage means. It means a, a handful of things. It means that you respect your husband. Now, if you can't respect him for his godly character, you can at least respect him for the position that he's in as the head of the marriage. It would be akin to, uh, maybe a stretch for you to imagine this, a president of the United States who's not doing a very good job, but still we respect him for holding the office. Um, it may be that way in your marriage, where you look at your husband and say, you know, he's a, he's a very far away from being like Jesus. But nevertheless, the Lord has placed him in this position, and so I must respect him for the office, if you will, that he holds. And so you respect your husband. It means, ladies, submission in marriage means that you honor your husband. You honor him in public and in private. And sometimes, uh, as Mama used to tell us, if you don't have anything good to say, you don't say anything at all. And so it's important, ladies, that you don't put down your husband, insult him to his face or behind his back. Uh, that's not what the Lord would have you do. Submission in marriage, ladies, means that you work with your husband, not against your husband. You are a team, okay? In fact, you're more than a team. The Bible says that you are one. You are one flesh. And so if you were to work against your husband, um, if you were to antagonize him, if you were to strive against him, then you'd be working against, antagonizing, and striving against yourself. And that's not a very wise thing to do at all. Submitting to your husband means that you allow him to make the decisions. This, again, can be a very difficult thing. And by allowing him to make the decisions, it does not mean that you don't advise him. Your husband needs advice. Uh, so give him that advice. And if he has any wisdom at all, he will listen to you, a godly and wonderful wife. He may not always uh, agree with you. He may do something that uh, you would disagree with, uh, but you go along with his decision knowing that it was his decision and that he will be the one held accountable for it. And so you're not contentious with him if there's a disagreement, but you work things out the best you can. Now, there's one other thing that I would say to uh, you ladies and really to you husbands. If you look at verse 18, it's directed to a certain person. Who is it? Very first word. Wives. Wives. Submit to your husbands. Submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now I want to uh, share with you a little bit of information uh, where in the New Testament does the New Testament tell wives to submit to their husbands? Well, there's at least three major passages where wives are told to submit to their husbands. This passage here in Colossians 3.18, the sister passage in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, and then also Peter uh, throws in a number of verses in chapter 3 of his first book. And so these are passages 
where wives are told to submit to their husbands. Very explicit passages, at least three. Now let me ask another question. Where does the New Testament tell husbands to command their wives to submit? You see the list on the screen. Nowhere in the New Testament are husbands told to command their wives to submit. In other words, guys, verse 18 does not belong to you. You have your own verse. Verse 19. Let's look at verse 19. It says, Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. This verse, along with the other passages that we just briefly uh, referenced in Ephesians chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 3, those, those verses also talk about husbands loving their wives. And it makes me wonder why, why do husbands repeatedly in the New Testament have to be commanded to love their wives? It's for the same reason that repeatedly wives have to be told to submit to their husbands because it doesn't come naturally. There's something within us that resists what we ought to do. Now, if I were to ask every husband here this question, uh, do you love your wife? I think just about every husband here would say, yes, I love my wife. But if I were to ask every wife in this room this question, do you feel loved by your wife? There might be a little bit of a disparity between what the husband says and what the wife feels. And that's the problem. The problem is that if, guys, if your wife doesn't feel loved, then you've got some work to do. Okay? And so it's very difficult for us guys to get on to, into that feeling mode and understand that our wife's feelings are crucially important to who she is. But that is where we need to exist. That's where we need to work. That's where we need to strive. We need to love our wife on that level. In fact, I would tell you to love your wife in all ways, love your wife for always, and to love your wife above all others. When I say love your wife in all ways, I mean that you should do the things that husbands ought to do. You ought to be the protector of your wife. You ought to be the provider for your wife. But you also ought to provide spiritual leadership to your wife. God has given you the awesome responsibility of being the head of your marriage spiritually, to be the leader of your marriage. That means this, that your job, guys, is to sanctify your wife. And if you're thinking, how do I do that? How do I sanctify my wife? Ephesians 5 references this idea. It says, to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. How do you sanctify your wife? How do you provide an environment for her 
in which she thrives spiritually. Well, first you do it by leading by example. Gentlemen, when you lead by example, it means that you come to church every time you're able. You don't just send the kids and the wife to church. It means that you come to church. It means, gentlemen, that you pray for your kids and you pray with your kids if you have children. Those kids need to see their daddy praying to their heavenly father for them. Gentlemen, it means when you, when you love your wife and you're leading by example, it means you pray for her. Your wife needs you to lift her up to your heavenly father. Gentlemen, it means that you read your Bible. It means you get out your Bible and you read it. Not that you make a show of it, but that you become a man of God's word. Because there's so much more wisdom in God's word than you have in all the years that you've lived on this earth and all the wisdom that you've gained. You still need the wisdom of God's word. So seek out that wisdom and learn and strive to be a better husband, to be a better father, to be the man that God has called you to be. Be a person of God's word. You see, I don't know what's going to happen when we stand before the Lord. I don't know every single question that the Lord Jesus might ask us. However, if, gentlemen, the Lord Jesus were to ask you this question, what did you do for me during that life that I gave you? You ought to be able to say to the Lord Jesus, if you're married, this is my offering to you. She is my bride. And I did the very best that I could to provide her with a spiritual environment where she could become the woman that you want her to be. That's what it means to present your wife as holy, cleansing her by the washing of water with the word. So guys, love your wife in every way that a man should. Providing for her, protecting her, being her spiritual leader. You should love your wife for always. For always. That means not just length of time, but it means all the time. You and she, like I said before, are one flesh. You should love her just as much as you love and care for your own body. You take care of your own body, don't you guys? You wash your own body, don't you guys? You prepare your own body for the day, don't you guys? And not only that, if something is wrong with your body, you feel the pain, don't you? And if something is wrong with your bride, you ought to feel the pain. You see, her problems are your problems. Now, I know someone's going to take that this way like, you got that right. She lets me know. Her problems are my problems. I don't mean it that way. What I mean is this. If you'd think about it and say, 
you know, my wife sometimes doesn't treat me with respect. Guess whose problem that is, guys? And it's not hers. It's yours. You see, if your wife's not treating you with respect, it's your problem. You know why? It's probably because you're not living like Jesus. You're the one in charge of the marriage. You're the one who is the head of the marriage. You're the one the Lord will hold accountable for the marriage. And so if your bride is upset, if your bride is disrespectful, if your bride is dishonorable, it's a problem here, guys. Not with her. She will follow your leadership as you become more like Christ. This verse tells us not to be bitter with our wives. And if you've ever become bitter with your wife, why is it? Well, maybe, maybe she treated you with disrespect. Or maybe you just didn't get what you want. Whatever it is. And you got angry and you became bitter with your wife. There's no sense in that. There's no sense in becoming bitter at the one that you are one flesh with. It's hurtful to both of you. It's a poison that will drive you away. You need to put the bitterness aside. If she needs forgiveness, extend forgiveness. If you need to work on you, you work on you. Love her for always. And love her above all others. Above all others. You should cherish your wife. You should focus the love of your life, your attention upon her like a laser. And she should be that important to you. Every day you should ask this question, what can I do today to love my wife? What can I do today to serve my wife? And so we have this instruction. We know from Ephesians that Christ calls us to love our wives just like he loves his church, being willing to give up his very life for her. That's how you ought to love your wife, guys. We're told in the next verse for children to be obedient to their parents. We've touched on that already. And then we read, Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. What's it mean to exasperate? It means to frustrate them. Well, how might, how might kids get frustrated? A child becomes frustrated when they, can't, when they feel like they can't succeed in their father's eyes. Nothing's ever good enough for dad. I can't ever succeed. That will frustrate a child. If a child does not feel their father's love, if a child feels abandoned by his father or mistreated by his father, then that child can become frustrated, exasperated, discouraged, if a father lies to his child, guys, be real careful promising what you might promise to your child. If you promise your child you're going to be there at the game to watch them play, be there at the game and watch them play. If you're not sure you can be there at the game, tell them that up front. Tell them I'll try, okay? But what's very hurtful, very harmful, if a child feels like his dad has promised him something and then doesn't deliver a child becomes exasperated if a child feels like there are no boundaries. No boundaries in life. Can you imagine playing football with no out-of-bounds? 
How ridiculous would that be? That's not fun at all. Life's not fun either without boundaries. Dad, you've got to establish some boundaries. You don't do this, you do this. You have to establish boundaries. A child becomes frustrated also when they become indulged. When they, become, when they are given everything. Now, I know it's the right of every grandparent to give that grandchild everything under the sun and bypass mom and dad. Don't do that. Don't bypass mom and dad, okay? You support mom and dad by respecting their lack of indulgences given to that child. Sometimes a child needs to hear no. You can't. And if they don't hear the word no, if those boundaries aren't respected, if there are no boundaries, and that child is simply indulged with everything and anything that that child might want to ever get, and they get it all, in the end they'll become exasperated. They don't know how to live life when it's like that. Guys, it's very important. What I'm about to say is very important. Don't put your child down. Fathers, do not put your child down. Do not insult your child. Do not call your child names. You lift your child up. If they bring home a D on the report card, say, hey, top four. How can I help? Let's, let's do better. I'm with you. I support you. Come on. Let's work on it together, okay? You need to believe in your child. You need to give your child confidence. You need to be there for your child. And you need to tell your child, I love you. They need to hear it. I know there are some dads that are so tough and, and uh, so Texan and everything else. They never tell their child they love them. Don't be that. Don't be that way. You tell your child that you love them. Tell your child that you're proud of them. It'll lift them up. It'll make them better people. Then we get to slaves. And this verse says, Slaves, obey your human masters and everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. Now, you and I know we don't have slavery, legalized slavery, in our country anymore. And that's a good thing. It was prevalent in the day that Paul wrote this. And, and uh, Paul was not into trying to change the systems of society into something that uh, might resemble something else. What he was more interested in, and you see this pattern repeated with Paul's writings, that he wanted people to serve their spiritual king, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whatever realm of life they found themselves in on earth. Because these realms of life are temporary. But the kingdom of God is eternal. And so whatever realm of life you find yourself on earth, serve the Lord the best you can. The closest equivalent that we have to this economic system of slavery and masters in that day is, of course, being employed, being an employer or being an employee. And so these principles apply to us in these ways. If you're an employee, obey your boss. Do what they say. 
do what they say. I'll tell you what, if I was a young person today and I realized that if I simply show up on time and I do what the boss says, I'm 90% ahead of everybody else. I mean, just show up on time, do what the boss says. Do a good job. Work for the Lord. Not just when people are watching, but when nobody's watching, someone's watching. When nobody's watching, the Father's watching. Work for the Lord. You be a hard worker. The Lord will reward you. And you've got to remember, in the end, you serve Christ. And then we have this instruction given to masters. Actually, the next verse, verse 25 of chapter 3, is still given to the slaves, but it's sort of uh, hinted at that the masters ought to be paying attention to this. It says, For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. I say that is sort of given to the masters too, because who would be the wrongdoer? Most likely in the master-slave relationship, it's the master who might mistreat his slave. And verse 25 reminds us that if you're a wrongdoer and you're mistreating those that are under you, the Lord's watching. And there's no favoritism with them, with, with the Lord. When we all stand before the Lord, we're not standing before the Lord as, as a wife or a husband, as a slave or a master. We're standing before the Lord as a disciple of His. And were we obedient or not in whatever realm we found ourselves? Masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. Again, the best equivalent we can come up with today is employers instead of masters. And if you're an employer, if you're a boss of any kind, if you're in management or you own your own company, let me tell you right now, do not mistreat your employees. Don't do it. There's someone who's watching who has the authority if he wants to make your life miserable too. Do not mistreat your employees. You pay them well. Pay them what they have deserved, what they've earned. If you're an employer in any way, in any form, and you are intentionally shortchanging your employees to put more money in your pocket, shame on you. That's not of God. You need to remember that as an employer, you have the welfare, not only of that employee, but that employee's family in your hands. And you are to treat them right. Treat them right, even if it costs you a little bit more. And see if the Lord doesn't bless you for it. In all of these relationships that we have, whether we're a wife a husband, a child, a father, an employee, or an employer. We're to do all things in love, serving the other person in that relationship. And if we do that, Christ himself will bless our relationships. Christ will make the home a more beautiful home when there is a wife and a husband who relate to each other the right way. Christ will make the home a more beautiful and wondrous place to be when a child 
obeys his parents and when a father treats his child right. The Lord will bless a work relationship when employees look out for the company and employers look out for the employees. When we do things the right way, we're blessed all the way around. This is wisdom from God's Word, and it will never change.